Greetings, puny humans. This is Morbo, the newscaster. I am pleased, yet sticky, to tell you that you are listening to the power of positive geeking. I will destroy you! Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Power of Positive Geeking. My name is Corey Morissette, and do I have a special guest for you here today? Not only is she a top uh, Schmodown competitor, but she has one of the uh, most active Patreons I think I've ever seen. I've, I've been lucky enough to just join it recently. She has a ton of fantastic content on there. And uh, apart from all that, she's one of my favorite Twitter follows because not only is she an incredible world-class graphic artist, but she's an incredible singer as well. And I'm so delighted she is here today. Uh, welcoming uh, Janine the Machine. How's it going tonight, Janine? Hey, thank you so much for having me, Corey. Excited to be here. <laughs> oh, it's my absolute pleasure. And I'm very excited to talk about this movie here with you tonight because it's kind of a personal favorite of both of ours. Uh, and yes. in honor of Joel Schumacher, who unfortunately passed away uh, not that long ago, director of such uh, great films like The Lost Boys and, and Flatliners is another personal favorite mm -hmm. of mine. But he'll always kind of be remembered for his two Batman movies. <laughs> and uh, maybe not so fondly remembered for Batman and Robin, but Batman Forever was was a real uh, turning point, I think, for him, and a, and a, a movie that you and I both love. Uh, so maybe, uh, Janine, I'm going to uh, kick this off and ask you about a tweet you sent uh, shortly after uh, Mr. <laughs> Schumacher passed away, where you said, legitimately in the sixth grade, you told people that Batman Forever was your favorite movie. Maybe tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so I do remember doing these interviews in class. It was like the first day of sixth grade, and they had us interview each other. And when I was asked what my favorite movie was, I distinctly remember saying uh, Batman Forever. And then, you know, some years passed, and I saw it again as an adult, and I was kind of questioning that decision. But ultimately, I still have this kind of weird love for this movie. So <laughs> There's so much good in this movie. Uh, maybe let's backtrack a bit to Batman Returns. Uh, first of all, I saw a print you did of Batman. Batman Returns was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I, I got to save some money so I can uh, pick that up from my man cave here. But uh, were you a fan of the two Tim Burton movies? Yes, Batman Returns is actually my all-time favorite Batman movie. Um, I actually did a show with the Action Guys um, Action Movie Anatomy where I broke it down with them. Uh, I just love the style of it. Um, I think, you know, Michael Keaton was a very kind of quirky Batman. Um, more, He felt more real to me. Um, and Catwoman just makes that movie amazing. So it's definitely my all-time favorite. So I was well, excited when Forever was coming back. I knew it wasn't going to be the same, but I was still very invested in that world after Return, so I was excited to see what was next. Boy, I'm right there with you. And uh, the third Tim Burton movie would have been something uh, completely different. He was going to call it Batman Continues. Uh, it was going to feature Michael Keaton. Uh, Robin Williams was going to play the Riddler, which is oh, that would have been perfect incredible. casting, right? Billy yeah. Dee Williams would have returned as Harvey Dent to play Two-Face, two which, yeah. again, absolutely perfect casting. Uh, yes. This is a, I loved his Robin. He actually had uh, Marlon Wayans cast as yes, Robin. Yes, I remember that. I and remember that hearing just that. Right on the nose casting, if you ask me. He would have been fantastic in that. Yeah, definitely would have loved to see that. And then his uh, second villain was going to be Scarecrow, uh, played by Brad Dorif. So uh, it oh. would have been really interesting. I think uh, Catwoman <laughs> was coming back, even Michelle Pfeiffer. So, uh, yeah. But unfortunately, McDonald's, uh, not a big fan of Tim Burton. Uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't sell, sell toys off no. of the weirdness. <laughs> yeah, no, no toys, no Happy Meals. So they, they all went to Warner Brothers and said, we need something lighter, uh, you know, totally different than what Batman Returns was. So we got Joel Schumacher. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of like the direction Joel Schumacher took. Now, I'm considerably older 
older than you. Uh, so I remember uh, watching the original uh, 1960s uh, TV show. So okay. that that was my Batman growing up. Uh, so the, the fact that it, poppy. Yeah. yeah, you know, pow, zoom, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the fact that it took this turn uh, wasn't such a big deal for me. What did you think of the tonal shift between Batman Returns and Batman Forever? Um, I mean, it was a little jarring because I was really a big fan of that kind of darker tone. Um, so to see like, you know, how Gotham looked very kind of excessively, you know, the giant statues everywhere and um, the bright, colorful lights. And um, I, it felt and I kind of knew what was happening, that they wanted it to be that way to like sell a product and not really a movie. So that took a little bit of the luster away from me from like the, you know, darkness and like the focus on story and character um so it felt a little bit lighter to me um which was a little bit jarring but i still found things to really kind of get into in this movie so yeah i, I thought he took some interesting directions and, and and did some stuff well some stuff not so well uh, maybe i don't know if you're a big fan of the the bat nipples or the cod pieces or anything <laughs> like that uh, he took a lot of grief for that uh, yeah. but uh, one of the things i thought he uh, he did well was casting we'll get into casting in just a minute but let's uh, maybe start uh with recapping the story a little bit of Batman Forever. And in this film here, uh, we have two villains again. Uh, this is uh, Two-Face uh, and the Riddler. Uh, yes. Both that are trying to take over Gotham City, of course. Uh, okay. Along the way, uh, Bruce uh, ends up uh, befriending an orphaned uh, 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 circus acrobat by the name of Dick Grayson and uh, falling for uh, psychotherapist uh, Dr. Chase Meridian, played by Nicole Kidman. Um, Story-wise, uh, to me, I, I wasn't a big comic guy, but this seems like it was kind of ripped right out of the comics. A lot of comic elements uh, in Batman Forever. Um, did the story engage you at all? Did you kind of follow it all the way through? Um, yeah, I liked the elements of him taking in Robin, like all the stuff with the Grayson circus stuff that all felt very kind of comic book-esque. Um, you know, and kind of going back, Chase Meridian was pretty thirsty. She's basically just trying to <laughs> sleep with Batman the whole time. Um, and then at a certain point, she realizes she likes Bruce, and then she's just trying to sleep with Bruce the whole time. So it's that's, that whole kind of love story felt a little superficial. Um, she but... was not uh, shy about it at all either right her no. first scene she is right there yeah she she used the signal to call him for a booty call she used that <laughs> signal as a booty call like yeah that's pretty bold um so yeah i mean i wasn't a huge fan of that whole kind of romance but i liked the um batman robin stuff this the you know seeing his family's death and him wanting revenge and him having to try to kind of you know gear that towards you know a more noble effort um and their kind of whole dynamic I really enjoyed. And something I really loved about Batman Returns was the whole concept of duality with everybody. You know, Max Shrek had his whole duality, the face he puts on for the public and his, you know, real self and Catwoman, her duality and Batman, his duality. That was one of the things I loved. So I liked that they kept that concept kind of being a big part of it. You know, him talking to Chase about how he feels like he has two sides. And so I liked that that element continued on into Batman Forever. Oh, I agree totally. Uh, uh, duality played a big part in Batman Returns and some characters in Batman Forever are given an arc uh, Dr. Trace Meridian maybe not so much she started yeah. off the movie horny she ended it pretty horny <laughs> yeah. with, with a lot of horniness in between Yes, <laughs> but still it's Nicole Kidman so uh, yes. I had fun with that uh, let's talk about the villains a little bit uh, uh, Edward Dingba is, is kind of the villain with the plot in this one he wants to kind of you know figure out who Batman is and take over the world using this device that uh, yes. projects TV images directly in your brain but also unfortunately it takes away 
takes some brain power from you and gives it to himself. Very comic booky again type plot. But um, yeah. uh, your your thoughts on the Riddler and his integration into the story? Um, I thought Jim Carrey was amazing for this part. I mean, this was kind of like the peak of his fame, the height of his, you know, glory doing this movie. Um, and he was so perfect for that part. And like you said, definitely a very kind of comic booky element. I liked that there was kind of this whole plot to find out who Batman was. Um, so I thought, you know, his plan was actually kind of smart um he was funny he was silly i loved him kind of trying to learn how to be a villain from two-face and their whole dynamic um him emulating um bruce wayne um i liked a lot of that like i feel like that's what they tried to do in the amazing spider-man part two like this goofy kind of guy who's obsessed with the you know the main person and um you know when they kind of get shunned it turns into like this villainous thing and i think it was actually done way better in uh, batman forever so i really love jim carrey's riddler boy that is a fantastic pull comparing it to uh, amazing <laughs> spider-man 2 i never would have went there this is why you're the machine this is why you're, you're, you're the legend uh, uh, fantastic insights there uh two-faced uh maybe not quite as drawn out as well uh, obviously we were introduced to harvey dent in the first batman film played brilliantly by billy d williams and i think the entire world was waiting for billy d williams to turn into two-face and what he I mean, could have done with that role <laughs> he did get his a little bit of his chance in uh, the lego batman movie yeah. But <laughs> not quite the but same, yeah, though, unfortunately. Not quite the same. Yeah. I would have loved more. <laughs> yeah. Instead, we get Tommy Lee Jones, who, of course, is a great actor. But uh, uh, in this role here, just uh, chew and scenery left and right. Uh, mm -hmm. No real point or purpose to the to Two Face in this one, except a mild little subplot with Robin. Uh, your thoughts, maybe, on uh, Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face? Um, I would have kind of liked more of the conflict and made him feel more like a real person. He felt just kind of like a cartoon the whole time. Like more with Edward Nigma and Jim Carrey's Riddler, like we got a sense of who he was kind of before he became the Riddler. So you kind of have those feelings for him. Like, you know, you see him kind of getting beat up on by his boss and you know, not being heard out and all that kind of thing. So um, I can see even like it's like a Killian or is that his name Killian from um, Iron Man 3, Iron Man 3. Yep. yeah um, Aldrich Killian yeah he's very similar thing like you kind of get to know them before they become the evil genius so we got more of that from Riddler whereas Two-Face just felt very surface level very kind of cartoony um, you know Harvey Dent as a character I love Batman the Animated Series and you delve into like who he was before and his whole conflict and how he turns into Two-Face and goes mad and you kind of feel for him and sometimes he's good and sometimes he's bad because it's very conflicting whereas you know you don't get any of that you just because right off the bat he's two-faced you just get kind of a flashback of who he was before that so i mean definitely riddler's stronger for me when it comes to the villains because you don't get a lot of who harvey dent is it's all two-faced and not much more than that do you think the movie suffers a little bit from having two-faced in there should we have just stuck with the riddler and maybe fleshed out dr chase meridian a little bit um, I definitely think that could have worked. Um, I know when they try to do like multiple villains, it can feel a little like crowded and convoluted. And like, it didn't feel like that in this movie because they didn't really delve into Two-Face at all. Uh, so, I mean, if they weren't going to take the time to do that, I definitely see it working with fleshing out Chase and that whole romance plot line and uh, giving Riddler more, more stuff to do, uh, definitely. 
perfect. Now, uh, we kind of segued into Caster a little bit, talked about how great Jim Carrey was. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones was also there. Um, but you can't <laughs> talk about a Batman movie without talking about Batman. And we're just coming off of Michael Keaton and, and his, uh, like you said, kind of quirky, kind of weird portrayal of yeah. Batman Bruce Wayne, uh, which I agree 100%. Here we get uh, Val Kilmer, who kind of plays them both uh, kind of up to straight and narrow. Batman is Batman. Bruce Wayne is Bruce Wayne. He makes a very good Bruce Wayne, uh, I thought. Yeah. But again, not that quirky, weird type we're used to from uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Very, this is what Bruce Wayne would probably be. And his Batman was also kind of the same. Uh, so how would you kind of rank uh, Val Kilmer in the pantheon of uh, cinematic Batmans? I mean, I think he did a pretty good job. I think his Bruce Wayne was better than his Batman. Um, I didn't feel that kind of sense of like foreboding or like uh, strength really from him as Batman. but I liked his kind of sophisticated, um, and you could see he was kind of like a genuine person as Bruce Wayne. Um, I do like when Bruce Wayne isn't totally that kind of asshole kind of, uh, you know, playboy type. Yeah. But, and I didn't get that much from Val Kimmer, which I appreciated. Um, but yeah, I think his Bruce Wayne is definitely, was definitely stronger than his Batman for me personally, but I think he did a good job all around. Yeah, I agree with you on that one as well. Uh, I, I, Batman doesn't always have to be so dark and brooding for me, just because I was kind of raised on the the '60s Batman, the animated yes, Batman, a lot lighter. Right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I understand why uh, you know Batman had that element in Batman Returns, but it's okay to lighten things up every once in a while too. Yeah. And uh, Bruce Wayne, you know, still probably tortured, but he didn't let it control his life, and he just kind of, yeah. you know, we only had I think one slow mo shot of a bat coming towards frame, so uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, only one, one shot entire of movie. pearls flying and yeah, exactly, <laughs> and roses falling <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think we need that every single movie uh so that was something i really appreciated <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right um uh, let's talk about uh production values here a little bit uh, obviously uh, directed by joel schumacher he has a different uh, mm-hmm. uh style than tim burton obviously but uh, yeah. you know we had new cinematographers uh new composer elliot goldenthal did the score here as opposed to danny elfman um i appreciated kind of uh, a switch up and having it being a little more colorful uh just because i am a fan of batman 66 uh what were your thoughts on uh, on the sets on the music and all that kind of stuff um at the time in my sixth grade mind i really loved all of that and seeing it a little bit later i felt like it was a little excessive but i could see what they were going for so i appreciated it i liked kind of the more art nouveau um kind of style of batman returns and i feel like we kind of lost that a little bit um but i i saw that they were trying to kind of keep that style while kind of trying to modernize it a little bit and i think a huge part of why i loved it so much was because of the soundtrack because of the music that was in it um the, not only the score but kind of the pop music that was mm-hmm. in there you know u2 and seal of course which joel schumacher also directed that video mm-hmm. um so yeah the music was a huge part of it for me loving that movie and i could I, I could appreciate them kind of trying to modernize those kind of more gothic art nouveau kind of style elements that were in returns yeah i agree with you and uh 
very close to stepping over the line like you said they do step over the line quite a bit in batman and robin uh i yes. would maintain but they, they just kind of rolled that line in this one that i really appreciated uh the soundtrack of this movie is fantastic the pop soundtrack it doesn't rival yeah. prince's soundtrack from the first movie no. but still still pretty good uh, to the point where actually uh joel schumacher wanted bono to appear in the movie as his character uh, mcfisto who he was playing on the uh, zoo tv tour that they were on at the time uh, oh. but but he, he turned it down and instead gave him a song but that would have been maybe kind of interesting yeah but. <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely should have still- cast seal in there though Yes, I'm still waiting for this question in a near geekdom match. If I ever play again, <laughs> is what uh, you know, female pop group appeared and made a cameo in in Batman Forever because <laughs> oh. En Vogue and Vogue actually makes a cameo. So. That's right. I had <laughs> yeah. completely forgotten about that. That yeah, was a big Batman, thing back when, in '95. <laughs> yeah, when Robin steals the the Batmobile. Yeah, um, those are the girls who tell him oh, that's not Batman. That's Bat Boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that whole sequence because in that uh, scene, uh, Chris O'Donnell said he wanted to actually drive the Batmobile and not let a stunt driver do it, and he ended up crashing into like part of the set and oh, dead no. defenders. <laughs> Yeah, that thing seems like it would be very difficult to drive. I don't I don't think it takes corners very well. Yes. <laughs> and we, we kind of lost a Burton Batmobile a little bit. It kind of got a little bit longer, a little bit wider, a little more phallic maybe. But it tons yes. of lights in it and stuff too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I can say about this film, I'm not sure if I'm a huge fan of the Batmobile uh, in the Schumacher uh, Batman films, but uh, a mild gripe, I would think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to do a little fantasy casting here, Janine, because uh, okay. a lot of people were considered uh, for roles in this movie, so I'm going to just kind of give you a part, give you a bunch of names that were considered at one point, and you can let me know who you might like to see cast uh, in the film. Let's start right with Batman. Of course, we had Val Kilmer. Uh, before him was going to be Michael Keaton, but after Michael Keaton passed, uh, some of the options were uh, William Baldwin, Daniel Day-Lewis, Kurt Russell, Alec Baldwin, Ethan Hawke, Ray Fiennes, Tom Hanks, Johnny Depp, and Keanu Reeves were all considered for Batman. Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, I feel like Baldwin at the time could have been great. Like Which one, has- William or Alec? Alec. Alec? Um, yeah, like definitely I could see him. His, he's got a great voice, so I could definitely see him being the suave kind of Bruce Wayne and then kind of lowering the range of the voice to, to get mm-hmm. the, to the Batman. And he, I think he definitely plays those both sides of the handsome kind of playboy, rich guy to the, you know, dark and brooding superhero. So, yeah, I, I think Alec Baldwin probably from that list. Kind of curious a- about Keanu and a Johnny Depp. Those seem very interesting to me, though. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Like, I would cast Keanu just to see what the hell you do with it. Because right? uh, you, you know it's going to be awesome somehow. You're just not yes. quite sure how. Uh, kind of same yes. with Johnny Depp. Uh, he would have taken a weird turn with it. But, like, some guys like Tom Hanks. Like, I just can't see Tom Hanks being No, <laughs> not at all. Daniel Day-Lewis, I guess he was a front runner. But can you see what? Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, putting oh, on no. the bat suit? Like- <laughs> He's way too serious. I don't see him. He could not do the Bruce Wayne part in my mind. I, I couldn't see it. No. Um, he'd be way too, way too serious, I think, throughout the whole thing. And if they're trying to, like, have, be fun and be poppy and sell toys, he's not the guy you go to for that. You know? Yo, you're exactly right. <laughs> uh, for the role of Two-Face, uh, it really only came down to one other actor, and it's Mel Gibson. So <laughs> if you're going to get Two-Face in a movie, would you want A, Billy D. Williams, who we almost had, B, Mel Gibson, or C, Tommy Lee Jones? Oh, goodness. I mean, I think I could see Mal pulling it off. It's like when you see him kind of do his whole I'm crazy thing in in Lethal Weapon. Like, I'm picturing him, like, you know, trying to distract those, like, 
drug dealers or whatever by acting crazy like that. Like I could see him doing a whole lot of that as Two-Face. Um, but if you had an actor like him, I, I would be annoyed that you wouldn't, you know, get the depth that you needed and he would just be doing that the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I could see, I could picture it, but I would be annoyed because at the time, you know, he was known to be a great actor, all that stuff. So I would be kind of disappointed that he would be wasted and just kind of acting crazy the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I think if a director kind of let him develop a character, uh, it, it yeah. definitely could have been interesting having Mel Gibson in there, especially in 95. Um, yeah. But I mean, uh, really, uh, Billy D. Williams, the coolest guy on earth uh, yes. I actually almost helped him to a restroom at a fan convention in Saskatoon Saskatchewan this past year because uh-huh. they let him in a back door and he got out of the wheelchair and he wasn't coming down the hallway too well so I was, I'll, I'll catch you if you fall oh. Mr. Williams it's cool but he made her oh, good, good. <laughs> awesome, awesome guy uh, for the role of the Riddler uh, famously uh, Tim Burton uh, promised it to Robin Williams because initially he wanted Robin Williams to play the Joker or Robin Williams wanted to play the Joker that went to Jack okay. Nick Nicholson. So uh, Tim Burton said, you could be the Riddler in the third one. Of course, Tim Burton drops out. Robin Williams gets screwed over again. Uh, so some of the choices were Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees. Uh, uh, here we get a little weird. Michael Jackson uh, lobbied for the role. He was attached oh at one point. Matthew Broderick, for some reason, really wanted to play the Riddler. What? And at, at one point, they approached Steve Martin. But he turned it down because John Candy had just passed away, and that was a good friend of his, and he didn't feel like being goofy in a movie. So (laughs) we have uh, potentially Robin Williams, Mickey Dolenz from The Monkees, Michael Jackson, (laughs) Matthew Broderick, and Steve Martin. Who would you cast as the Riddler? Oh, goodness. Uh, Robin Williams, 100%. (laughs) I don't even know what those other choices are. Good good grief. Um, Yeah, I think there would be some really good kind of improv moments with him for sure. he's funny he's charismatic i could see him kind of being a little bit tortured like that um yeah i I definitely think robin williams would have been amazing god there's so many weird choices here like how right how how does michael jackson fit (laughs) as the like i can't even see him like wanting to do that for him to be like lobbying like that doesn't make any sense to me at all well and matthew broderick like uh the the, the guy from roland emmerich's godzilla isn't the guy i'm thinking to to play the riddler no like he's done comedies and stuff but he's not that kind of goofy kind of character no he's the straight guy he's like in the producers right he was the straight guy nathan lee was kind of the yeah Yes. So uh, a lot of weird choices there. I'm kind of glad we got Jim Carrey. Because like you said, uh, he chewed just the right amount of scenery and did a pretty good job with it. Yeah. Uh, for Robin, boy, here we get really weird. You thought Michael Jackson <laughs> as the Riddler was weird? So uh, originally we had Marlon Wayans, who would have been great. We yes. both agree. Uh, then after uh, he passed, we had Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, Jude Law, Ewan McGregor, Corey Haim, and Corey Feldman, Toby Stevens, what? and Scott Speedman. All were considered for the role of Robin. Hmm, okay. Now, I think Felicity was big around this time. That's why you see Scott Speedman well, standing there. Scott Speedman. There. Okay. But the two corners. A years later. Yeah. <laughs> I have no words. I have no words for that. <laughs> um, I mean, I could see Leo at that time definitely doing it. Um, now, pre-Titanic. You know, 
Yeah, and I feel like he was still not in his super, I'm a serious actual phase. <laughs> uh, so I definitely could see him kind of getting into that that vibe and, you know, not taking it super seriously because, of course, the point of this movie is to sell toys. Yes. So I could see him in that phase of his life doing something like that and uh, it actually being really great. Of course, you know, you want your Robin to be kind of cute. And so, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally cute. <laughs> uh, what about a guy like Matt Damon? Uh, that that really kind of stuck out as weird casting to me, or Jude Law. Yeah, I, I can't see it. Like I, they even at that time, I don't feel like they would fit. Like I feel like they're still a little bit too old for that part. I think, mm-hmm. and they would look at that time. That time, they still looked a little too old for the, that part. I think. Speaking of too old, the two oldest names on that list, I believe, are Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just kind of still in the Lost Boys feels and wanted to throw him a bone or something. <laughs> Felt know. bad for him, maybe. Yeah, you could read for Robin, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Wahlberg, that's just the the kookiest one of the bunch, I think. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't see that working. <laughs> you did okay, Chris Leo. O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Leo would have been a good choice as well. And uh, yeah. finally, for the role of Chase Meridian, uh, wasn't always Nicole Kidman's. At one point, they were looking at Renee Russo. Uh, she was actually going to play the role if Michael Keaton was going to come back as Batman for Joel Schumacher because they're about the same age. Uh, yeah. But then they, after that, they went to Sandra Bullock, Cindy Crawford, Janine, or Jean Triplehorn, Linda Hamilton, and Robin Wright. So some pretty good actresses mm. actually on that list. Yeah. Um, considering like what these actresses do now, like I don't know that they would, uh, you know, they've all done pretty like legit stuff that you know showcases their talents. And Chase Meridian is not that kind of role. <laughs> you know, for the role as it's written, maybe Cindy Crawford probably would have been the best one. He would have been perfect. Yeah, just, yep. just you know, using the bat signal for booty calls. Yeah, not a lot of lines. You know, what's my motivation? Uh, You're horny. Go. <laughs> Essentially, yes. Yeah if they had taken more time to kind of develop her more and maybe her kind of analyzing Bruce and all of that because like I liked those scenes where she was analyzing him and really kind of delving into Mm -hmm. what he's conflicted about like she was able to read that off of him really well if they had played into those kind of things a little bit more um, I could see uh, a Robin Wright doing it doing a good job with that or um, a Jean Triplehorn doing a good job with that Mm -hmm. but um, yeah for like a sexy woman to just you know have her boot batman booty calls uh, i think cindy crawford would probably be the best choice hashtag batman booty calls <laughs> yes but you know what in, in the janine and Corey uh, version of batman forever we nixed the whole two-faced plot line we have more time with dr chase meridian we don't make her a hornball for the whole movie and actually give him some scenes like you mentioned her analyzing uh, bruce wayne I, I thought was really interesting as well let's get more of that more character development in my batman yes. movie yeah, yeah forget these action sequences um one fun thing <laughs> we like to do on this show janine and i'm going to put you on the spot with this is uh as i try and talk positively about these movies uh they could always be better and one way you can make a movie better is by putting bill murray in it he's elevated every movie he's ever been in so i'm going to ask you janine if you could recast one part in this entire film with bill murray which part would it be hmm that's a very good question there's a few that jump out at you yeah i mean I would kind of like to see what he could do with Two-Face because mm-hmm. he doesn't really have two faces. He's not about the duality very much. You no, know? not He's at all. 
<laughs> so I would kind of like to see how he would try to bounce back and forth between, you know, these two. Maybe he could have brought more depth to the Harvey Dent side um, and, you know, separate the two sides of him. Um, but I, that would be interesting because I don't. He wouldn't play it kooky like that. He wouldn't go over the top. So I'm kind of curious to see how he would how he would play that. <laughs> no, that's a very good choice. I was almost tempted to pick Batman. Can you imagine Bill Murray as Bruce Wayne <laughs> and Batman? Yes. Oh my gosh. Like it would have been memorable. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Batman to me is the most interesting one. Another one I thought of was uh, Sugar, uh, part of Sugar and Spice, oh, yeah. uh, two Spice two faces henchwomen. Yeah, yes. the one played by Drew Barrymore because she had a little more to do. Let's put Bill Murray in that outfit and uh, have him be part yeah, of two feet. One faces curly women. wig and you know weight on you know the Why sweet not? side of Harvey Dent. Yes, I like that. But I'm telling you, uh, Bill Murray as, as Bruce Wayne slash Batman, I think, would have been uh, absolutely killer. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, was there any aspect of Batman Forever that we haven't covered here that you were a fan of, Janine? Um, I mean, I think we hit kind of all the big points. Um yeah not not nothing much else i mean there is that extra i do love that extra <laughs> that, hey, it's Batman. Like, that everybody loves that guy. It's Batman. Right? <laughs> that guy um yeah so we have to give him a little bit of love because he's probably the best extra in movie history <laughs> you're, you're exactly right i want to throw a little love to a uh, uh, gossip gertie who i didn't realize until today that she was played by bob kane's wife Oh, yeah. And she just like they just put her in it and she hasn't really done anything since then. And yeah, <laughs> Gotham has to know like she's so over the top with it. But yes. she, she's the wife of the co-creator of Batman. So we got to give her a little love on the show here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right, Janine, we're at the time of the show where I'm going to issue an apology because I told you before we started, I would kick <laughs> off with all the plugs. And then I completely forgot about it because I'm not real good at this. So let's do some plugs now. <laughs> all right. Let, let's um, start well, you with can, your uh, yeah. with your Patreon. I know you got like four great shows uh, on your patreon plus a whole lot more going on maybe tell us about that okay so i have a, a patreon with my co-host morgan robinson uh it's a wonderful podcast um so we have three shows on the our podcast feed uh we have machine mondays every monday where i talk about showdown stuff then we have a show together called morgan hasn't seen morgan hasn't seen a lot of things and we discovered this before um endgame was about to come out and we realized that he hadn't seen like six five or six mcu films like he'd oh, seen wow. all of them except like he hadn't seen any of the iron mans he hadn't seen any of the thors <laughs> and he hadn't seen the incredible hulk so i was like well let's watch them and i think that might be kind of fun if we just talk about each one we watch so that's kind of how the show got started and then we decided to do it. and then i realized he hadn't seen like so many things so then we <laughs> went through all these different franchises we went through men in black we went through john wick um we went through uh, a bunch of different things and so now we've gotten to the point where we've kind of moved away from genres a little uh, from franchises a little bit and now we've been doing genres so we just did modern musicals um where we were talking about you know hairspray and moulin rouge and now um for july we're going to be talking we're going to do like black film double features so each week we're going to talk about two black films of kind of the same genre so um next week we're going to be talking lean on me and glory so yeah very fun show i love doing that show with him and kind of you know introducing new movies to him 
<laughs> so it's really fun. We do that every Wednesday. And then on Friday, we have the main show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, which was a show that he started with um, his co-host, Nolan Dean. And Nolan Dean, like he had to step away for a bit. So then I came in to kind of help out. And then I ultimately became a permanent host. So me and Nolan kind of switch off doing the show with Morgan, where we just give love to those old classic films. So we'll do films from like 90, 1970 and earlier, just to kind of feature those films that a lot of people um, you know don't really talk about that much anymore so for 4th of July we're going to be talking about Mr. Smith Goes to Washington so that'll be really fun Um, we do that every Friday so every Monday Wednesday Friday we have shows on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed and you can support us on our Patreon at It's a Wonderful One on Patreon.com you know we do little videos where you can kind of get to know us you know it's a great way to support my artwork Morgan he does some great media stuff and then our content that we make together we do fun live streams every Sunday where we just hang out with their patrons and chat you know I do custom artwork for people or you know custom motion graphics so yeah we have some fun stuff going on over there so find it at it's a wonderful one on patreon.com uh, or just search it's a wonderful podcast on patreon.com um, and yeah follow us there um, we have it's a wonderful one on Twitter so you can follow and find all the information there as well and you can find all the shows on the it's a wonderful podcast feed anywhere podcasts are found so yeah. I was shocked Morgan <laughs> hadn't seen almost famous that is one of my favorite movies and i really right? love that episode i was just catching up on it again uh, this week here and uh, uh yeah morgan hasn't seen a lot uh, we we got to get that boy into the theater <laughs> yeah, more <definitely>. but I, <laughs> I wanted to mention how much i love it's a wonderful podcast just because you're right no one's really talking about these movies anymore and mr smith yeah. goes to washington is such a, a classic film and i love that you're yeah. kind of introducing these films uh to a new generation a new audience so a uh, great work uh i'm a huge huge fan uh now that we've kind of in Canada anyway kind of escaped COVID uh, I had some yeah. funds free up and the first pod, uh, Patreon I threw money down on was yours because I'm just such a huge fan uh, your artwork Thank is you. truly amazing um, I, I joined at the $10 tier so I get a custom logo I have no idea what to ask you for do. because you it's like <laughs> when you have access to a world class artist and you're like okay draw something for me it's like what the hell you don't, you don't want to draw my ugly mug <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea what to ask for there but just uh, you know you interact with everybody on your Patreon all the time I, you know the, the Sunday live streams are, are fantastic I'm hoping to join my first one tomorrow um, yes. and, and actually ask some questions. Uh, but um, I can't thank you enough, Janine, uh, for being here uh, today. Is there anything else you wanted to plug while you're here? You got a match set up uh, at the Schmodown uh, coming up anytime soon? Um, no, so I just did my uh, inner geek to match. So that aired. Um, there's an upcoming singles tournament. I don't know yet if I will be involved. We'll see because there are a lot of people in my faction who haven't got a chance to play yet. So I may kind of step back and let them go do that and just be supportive there. Looking forward to teams potentially. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, nothing too big in Schmodown world. But if you want to hear me talk about the Schmodown, you can check out Machine Mondays. Um, and yeah, just check out my Tee Public shop on tpublic.com at G9Design. That's where you. I have all my artwork and custom logos for patrons. You can get, you know, your own custom merch there. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I tell you, like the logo for this show done by by Janine. And uh, I absolutely love it. And uh, thank you again yeah, so much you. for doing that for me. And uh, thank you for being on the show. I hope I can get you back on here another time uh, talking about a movie that really you love. Yes, Excellent. I love this. <laughs> all right. Well, on behalf of uh, Janine the Machine, my name is Corey Morissette. Uh, thank you very much for joining us uh, this week. Don't forget to check out the other shows on Feeding the Monster. Hibbley uh, uh, Scribbs has uh, the Hoot and Holler every Monday, uh, Rantings of a Maniac with Mark Kamire, and uh, John Mariano just kind of floating around in the ether. He'll appear on whatever show he wants. But we have our main show, Are We Wearing Pants, every single Friday on the Feeding the Monster feed. And uh, thank you again uh, for joining us here for this show, and we will see you next time. 
Howdy folks, it's good old Hillbilly Scribs here and I'd like to invite you to join me every single Monday morning here on the Feedin' the Monster podcast feed for my show, The Hootin' Holler. And this is about a 10 to 15 minute variety show where, you know, I do my darndest to help all of you good folks get your week started off with a smile and a chuckle. So please join us and have a glorious week.